This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. These tensions were somebody's caught in the middle. She couldn't really just leave. We wanted to create a lot of triangles. They were just in the shadows. Those were not stories that anyone at that time was interested in. Up until about a decade ago, Andy Hahn, executive director of the Campbell House Museum, believed that Robert and Virginia Campbell, a wealthy and prominent couple in St. Louis, never held enslaved people at the mansion that bears their name. Recent research into that house, which was built in 1851 in what was then the most exclusive part of St. Louis and what's now Locust Street, revealed facts to the contrary. The Campbells did, in fact, own one enslaved person. Her name was Eliza Roan, and Eliza's remarkable story was told last year in an exhibition at the museum called The Back of the House, Servants and Slavery at Campbell House. Campbell House Executive Director Andy Hahn spoke with former St. Louis on the Air host Sarah Fenske last year when the exhibition was open. Let's listen to their discussion of the Campbell's connections to slavery and specifically to what became known about Liza Rohn's life as an enslaved and later emancipated woman. We think the story of slavery with the Campbells actually begins with Virginia and, uh, and her father's estate. When her father dies, she inherits three people um, from his estate. And that's the first kind of known record that we have with Robert uh, having any involvement in slavery. So even though Virginia's mother was a Quaker and, mm-hmm. and very much against slavery, she inherited. It's just it's, it's almost shocking to say she inherited three people. She, Virginia inherited three people. Yeah. Her mother inherited three other people. Her mother chose to emancipate those people. Robert of Virginia did not. The three that Virginia inherited, the three uh, – they were young people. They were children. And they are brought here um, to St. Louis, where they, in not too long a time, kind of disappear from the picture. We don't really know what happened to them. Okay. So our sense is that they did not end up making this move to, to Campbell House by the time the family's at that point. Okay. No, no. We think at least one, if not multiple of them, died in an epidemic of cholera that happened in St. Louis. Okay. So that brings us to Eliza. Eliza County. Correct. Uh, what's her it's name? Her Do, maiden name. Her maiden name. Yeah. Do we know how she came into the picture? We don't. She is from uh, Virginia. And she is from a small town where Mrs. Campbell, Virginia Campbell, had two uncles who lived and had a a prominent business. Hmm. We don't think that's a coincidence. But again, that's just guesswork. So we think somehow she came into Robert of Virginia's possession through Virginia's family in in Virginia. And do we have a sense of of how old she was? Probably a teenager. Okay. And that would have been the case? 16 or 17. Around the time that they moved into this house? No, actually before that. Okay. Yeah, um, probably a good five uh, or maybe even seven years before that. By the late 1840s, there's, they, we begin to see references to an Eliza in, in letters. Uh, and, it, and the way she's described, it, it is, we think it is Eliza uh, Roan. And so do we know what she did for the family? Well, the, uh, before her emancipation, it would seem that she was the nanny. Because hmm. um, uh, Virginia writes quite uh, frequently about Eliza and her help and all of the energy that she has to chase around all of these children. And, and there was there was 13 in total, not at any one time, but there was always a lot of children around. So uh, she was, I think Virginia was thankful um, 
for the help. It's interesting to think of. It, it sounds like there's numerous references in these letters. I imagine you were familiar with these letters before. You just didn't understand that Eliza was there Correct. against her will. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, we just thought Eliza was a servant girl. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, when you start to put pieces together, things make more sense. So what happened to Eliza? Well, in January of 1857, she's emancipated. Uh, and This is before the Civil War. This is before the Civil War. And we don't know what led to that emancipation. Why then? She was 25 years old. She had two children of her own. She had gotten married before her emancipation. Um, uh, but we know that Mrs. Campbell's mother, the Quaker, um, moved into the Campbell house um, uh, not too long before this. And we think that may have had an influence on Eliza's emancipation. Interesting. So the mother-in-law comes to the Campbell house. To live. Yeah. And we know that she's vociferously against Correct. slavery. Yeah, yeah. And then this happens in pretty short order. Exactly. It seems like some clues are there. Yes, for sure. So she gets emancipated. Missouri at that time is still a slave state. Correct. And will be, slavery will be legal in Missouri for almost eight more years. Yeah. So this must have been kind of a difficult road for Eliza. Do we know where she went after this? Well, the short of it is, is we don't think her life changed very much. Um, she continued to be now in the employ of the Campbells. Um, uh, it doesn't seem as much as the nanny anymore, but she helped with the, the laundry. Um, uh, uh, but we know she stays connected to uh, not only Robert of Virginia, but their children for the rest of her life, and she doesn't die until the 1920s. And is the belief that she probably continued to live in the house? That's unclear. Um, you know, she she had started a family, and that family continued um, to grow. Um, certainly, we think by the time of the Civil War, she was not living there anymore. Interesting. So there's this whole history. It was kind of hiding in plain sight. Why do you think this ended up being something that, you know, by the time we get to Campbell House becoming a museum, mm -hmm. you know, 1940s, 1950s, this was something that wasn't part of the, the oral histories that were passed down? Well, I think the, the short of it is, is those were not stories that anyone at that time was interested in. Yeah. Uh, not just the story of Eliza, but the story of any of the people that lived and worked behind the scenes. You know, the paid domestics, the maids, the cook, all these people, they were just in the shadows. Um, uh, they were waiting to come out, and, and not only has Eliza's story come out, but the story of dozens of other paid domestics um, have come out and and shows like uh, Downton Abbey and... and Upstairs, uh, downstairs. Exactly. I'm dating you know, myself here. <laughs> they make these stories all the more interesting and people want to know, well, did these stories happen in our, in our own town? And of course they did. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it does seem like such a no-brainer to us to want to answer this question, but maybe at the time in the 1940s, 1950s, they more wanted to admire the, the elegant furnishings. Exactly. There was a lot more um, nostalgia about the past and, you know, all that behind the scenes, I don't think, played into that nostalgia, at that time at least. That was Campbell House Museum Executive Director Andy Hahn. He spoke with former host Sarah Fenske last year about an exhibition called The Back of the House, Servants and Slavery at Campbell House, which took up the discovery that Robert and Virginia Campbell, a prominent 19th century St. Louis couple, enslaved people, and that Virginia-born Eliza Roan, born county, was one of them.
Who was Eliza, and what might it have been like to live and serve and be freed from the Campbell family? A new historical short film, Eliza, explores those questions. The piece has its U.S. premiere this Sunday afternoon at the St. Louis Filmmakers Showcase. And here to talk with us about that work, we have Delisa Richardson and Dan Stedman, co-writers and co-directors of the film. Delisa and Dan, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Dan, up until about a decade ago, no one knew the Campbells owned an enslaved person named Eliza Roan in their mansion. How did you first become aware of Eliza's story? I believe I heard your interview, and that prompted me to want to explore that story. Mm-hmm. I had been there to tour it as a location uh, before the pandemic, and in learning the story of Eliza, I thought that is the story I'd be interested in telling. Mm-hmm. So you heard it here. I heard it here. <laughs> Great. And for you, Delisa, this film, it marks your debut as a director. What was it that caught your interest um, about Eliza's life and her story? The main thing that caught my interest was just that this happened here in St. Louis. You know, I had passed by the Campbell House many times driving, and I just thought, oh, look, that place is kind of suspended in time. But I I knew just a little bit about it, and I've been, you know, I was born and raised here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. When I heard the story of Eliza, I was very intrigued. And when I went into the space to actually walk around and I viewed the exhibit, I said, oh, this, this is something that needs to be told there's a lot of nuance here this would make a great story mm-hmm. how did you all link up over this well i was actually a student in dan's class i've done a i don't know how many movies we've done together as an actor but dan also offered director and screenwriter courses so i decided i wanted to check out the back of the camera for a change and i took those courses and he came to me and he said, hey, what do you think about this story? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, this is amazing. And he said, okay. well, let's let's write this together. Now, Delisa, you wrote this storyline for Eliza and the servants. What kind of source material did you utilize to inform that writing? I looked at a lot of the writings that they had at the Campbell House and went back to what life would have been like for enslaved people in the 1800s. I did a lot of reading and actually looked at what some of the laws were for enslaved and free because Eliza was married to a man who had purchased his freedom. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that we got those things right because yeah. there were there's just so many rules, of course, and so many things that were different. And even someone who had purchased their freedom wasn't really truly free in the sense. And that's something that you'll kind of see in the movie. Right. Now, were there any other historians maybe that you consulted or people outside Campbell House Museum? I did not. Everyone inside Campbell House Museum was the best source material that we could have. I had to give a a big shout out to Sam. We <laughs> called him the Oracle on set because he would tell us, you know, this might not have been right. Maybe this wording would not have been for the time period. He was such a, a great help for us on that. Yeah. Dan, you primarily wrote the Campbell characters and the upper class guests they host in the film. Paint us a bit of a picture of Virginia and Robert Campbell. I mean, what did you learn 
about how this family sort of fit into the scene of St. Louis? And then how, how did you bring that into the film? Well, they were the scene. I mean, they were one of the wealthiest couples, of course. And in this new part of town, the home was only a few years old when they moved in. So I did a lot of research. You know, they were friends with Ulysses S. Grant. So he makes an appearance in our film as well as his wife, Julia Dent. Yeah. The other conversations, I was knee deep in newspapers from St. Louis from eight, from this exact month we shot in. Um, and so some of the dialogue comes right from old St. Louis newspapers, like what the uh, uh, what the columnists were writing about at that time. So uh, America had just elected Buchanan as president a month before. So there's a lot of political talk of the of the party goers. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to get into the mindset of what would people at this stature in the city, what would they have been talking about? While of course the whole other half is in are in the kitchen serving them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the the storyline. And you both have talked earlier about her husband, John's, being someone who bought his own freedom. Now, there's this tension between Eliza and her husband, who is a free man. Their young child is sick, and Eliza hasn't seen him in some time. Let's play a bit of that scene. What's wrong with you? I can't just come home. I ain't free like you, and I can't buy my freedom like you neither. I got to ask Miss Virginia for permission to go and, and well, now ain't a good time. Master Robert and the boy so and the loss of the, the little one and all. To them folk and their children mean more to you than your own, than our own? When you gonna stand up for yourself? Why are you the only one up in that house who ain't free? Don't you even want it? Now you look at here, you talking like a damn fool. Of course I want it. It's just, they've been good to me. They've been good to you. They own you. Delisa said, Eliza misses her children, but she feels a duty to Virginia and her son because they've been good to her. What kind of source material suggested that this kind of tension existed? There's... This is where the creative license of a filmmaker comes in. We did not have a lot of source material for that um, to say that that was a tension that took place. But you just had to really think about that. You know, your husband is free. He doesn't live in the home. And there are two children. They're not in the home. And Eliza is in the home caring for the Campbell children. And yes, there were she likely witnessed multiple deaths of the children. I mean, 13 of those children, there were so many of them that passed away. So I'm sure that that had an effect on her as well. But we really wanted to bring that tension into the storyline to actually show, you know, she couldn't really just leave like John could. And we wanted her to explain that because as a as an enslaved person, for her to go anywhere, she would have had to have papers from the Campbells. So if she was caught out walking, she'd have to show her papers. We're talking with Delisa Richardson and Dan Stedman, co-writers and co-directors of the short historical narrative film, Eliza. Now, Virginia's father enslaved multiple people. And when he passed, Virginia inherited three people, as noted by Andy Hahn of uh, the Campbell House Museum. And in the film, Lucy only confronts Robert, and Lucy, again, is Virginia's mother. Lucy confronts just Robert 
about his views of slavery, not so much her daughter. Why did you decide to do that? I think Lucy knows that Robert is the man of the home who is calling the shots. Um, we wanted to create a lot of triangles. For example, in the in the carriage house, we've got Eliza stuck between this confrontation between her owner and her husband. And when it comes to the relationship between mother-daughter, we like the idea that Virginia Campbell is stuck between her mother, Lucy, and her husband, Robert. So there's, it's always interesting as a storyteller to create these tensions where somebody's caught in the middle mm-hmm. of two opposing you know, sides. Yeah. Lucy is Virginia's mother, again, and she is an interesting character. She comes to visit her daughter, discovers there's an enslaved person in the house, um, and Lucy is part of the Religious Society of Friends, otherwise known as the Quakers. The preachers say slaves supposed to obey their masters to get to heaven. A portion of the Holy Spirit, the inner light, it enables us to distinguish between good and evil, speaking directly to their conscience. My conscience is telling me that you are a victim of evil, destructive thinking. Tell us about Lucy, and how you decided to depict her. I just spent a lot of time reading about the Quakers and that particular sect in uh, North Carolina where uh, where they were at in the position of slavery and what happened to them when they dared stand up against it. So trying to put myself in the mindset of a woman who was married to a man who had slaves. So this was not a woman who had no association with slavery whatsoever, but she clearly was against it at the time of our story. Yeah. And for me, I spent time with the flip side of that coin, how a lot of the pastors would have services with the slaves and use scripture to support slavery. Right. So the filming of this, it actually did take place on site at the Campbell House. What was it like to film in that space? It was a very humbling experience and conflicting at times because the home itself is beautiful. And then you go and you see where the servants and Eliza as the enslaved were and where she would not have been allowed in the home. But you, it was so special because you don't get that. You know, you rarely get the opportunity to film mm-hmm. in a place like that. And it was, it was so amazing and very grateful to the Campbell House for mm-hmm. offering us that possibility. So Sunday's show will be the U.S. premiere, but um, it has been debuted, the, the film, in Spain and won Best Drama at the Carpe Diem Film Festival. And you've also played the film in Montreal. This is a very local story, but in many ways illustrates um, themes that transcend you know, anything that's provincial or, or local. What kinds of reactions did you receive at these international showings? They are very interested in American history overseas and in other countries like Canada. 
I wish we were more interested in American history <laughs> in our country, but we'll take uh, the viewers where we can find them. But we're also glad that some people are coming to see it here in America. Yeah. And how does it feel for this to be your first film? The reaction has been so heartwarming. It was a very scary experience for me to to get behind the camera for the first time and also screenwrite for the first time. Dan was very patient with me. And I can say that uh, I think after the first day that we filmed, I said, I will never complain as an actor in front of the camera again <laughs> after everything that we had to go through behind the camera. I will, I will be a very good talent from here on out. Every actor should work crew at some point. Yes, yeah. agreed. <laughs> Delisa Richardson and Dan Stedman are the co-writers and co-directors of Eliza, a short narrative film that will be premiering this weekend at the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. you. This episode was produced and edited by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.